Is it time? This is the My New Norm podcast. And I'm your host, Barry Scott Young. The moment that all of us have been waiting for, our friend, our beloved brother, my wingman, and the man who put this entire evening together conceptually, Mr. Ryan Anthony. Ryan Anthony was an American trumpet player known for his performances as a member of the Canadian Brass and his role as principal trumpet of the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. Incredible accomplishments to achieve at such a young age. But Ryan was much more than that. He was a son, a brother, a father, a husband, and a close friend of my family. He died on June 23rd, 2020, after an eight-year battle with cancer. In this episode, Ryan's father, Roy, and brother, R.B., share from their hearts about him living life to the fullest, about the unwavering strength and support of family and friends, and about one man's refusal to allow his affliction to interfere with his love of music. This episode, a meaningful one for me. Please join me as we pay tribute to a very special man. believe that I am sitting here talking to Roy and R.B. Anthony. These are two guys that go way back, <laughs> way back, yes, but way it, back. it's way back. <laughs> I am so excited about this episode. I've asked these two to come in and as family share about the life and the, the story of Ryan Anthony. So I want to get started here. Roy, you can start. Where where are we going? What what type of guy was Ryan before he passed? Ryan was a very gentle soul that was an encourager to others around him. Always had a smile no matter how much mm. he was hurting at towards the end. 
you wouldn't know it because he was always smiling and he was wow. very positive. He had a uh, very positive outlook. One of the things that been a blessing to me is when I'm hearing from from uh, people that got to know him, they were they would comment to me not about his musical playing, but what an inspiration he was and what an encourager he was. It changed their life. I mean, it's just uh, amazing uh, the effect that he had on people. He lived what he believed, you know. He yeah. just, uh, it wasn't, nothing was put on. And even the, the night before he died, he, he was talking to me about coming out here to San Diego to do a concert. I mean, he just, oh he never looked at something from the, the negative or, or it can't be done. It was always, uh, he was always planning, always there was something else to, to uh, live for and to play. I think without music, I don't think he would have had all the additional years. I mean, he, he was originally given uh, six months to live, and he made it almost eight, eight years oh instead of six months. Tell and us I, what happened, Roy. Well, it was interesting that that summer he was 43 years old, and he was on a cross-country vacation with his kids and with Nikki. And actually, uh, my wife Kathy flew out to meet him in Arizona and finished it with him. And when he was here in San Diego, he was talking about pains in his chest and his back that he thought was from probably loading the suitcases in and out of the, the van on the trip. Yeah. Got home, it never got any better. And he, he actually uh, did a concert with Canadian Brass in Dallas and had to rush off the stage because he was in so much pain. Uh, Dallas Symphony was recording the national anthem for, uh, I think it was a Dallas uh, Cowboy game. I'm not sure. The He just doubled over with pain. And so they decided better take a look at this. And he never anticipated cancer because cancer is not has not run in our family, but uh, our biggest thing for all of us, including myself, was uh, heart problems. I mean, my, uh, my dad, my grandfather, my uncle, my aunt, you know, so he was always, you know, concerned about heart, never cancer. And, yeah. um, so it was a real rare type of cancer, wasn't that? Isn't that true? He had a multiple myeloma, which is a rare, and it's, uh, there is no cure. So. Mm. It, knew that there was going to be a, a time limit, you know, on it. That, uh, um, but he, he just, he was going to just keep going as long as God gave him the breath to do it. And the, the music, music has always been the big thing in our, in our family. And it goes back generations. Wow. He, I, I'm sure that he saw Arby with his horn playing and I'm going to do the same thing, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> and, uh, I, it was just, uh, it was a blessing. I mean, it was just a, uh, music carried on in another generation. And, and now his son is playing trumpet. Uh, Rowan, he started off on oboe, and now he's in high school. He plays trumpet in the jazz band and in the the uh, concert band. And Did he have one or two children? Yes, two. Two. It was Daughter and a son. Oh, okay. Well, as you were talking, I, I couldn't help but 
think Ryan was a thermostat uh, more than a thermometer. He could adjust the temperature in a room more than tell you what it was. I, I think that was his personality. Yeah, I liked, I liked that. I never thought of it and heard it that way, but you're, you're right, Barry. And also his smile. He smiled with his eyes, you know. His, his face smiled, not his mouth only, but with his eyes and cheeks, and it really did light up rooms. Well, R.B., the brother of, I want to hear a little bit about uh, your relationship with Ryan. Very fortunate I am the only brother, but he's my best friend, and I think there are millions mm. of people out there who feel that they are very close and Ryan was their best friend, and that is just the kind of guy that he was. But growing up, uh, I got to have to give a lot of props to mom and dad for giving us a, a home that uh, we were just able to um, uh, play any music at any time. We had a lot of time as brothers. We did a lot of family events. I'm three years older, so I did find it easy as my <laughs> older brother responsibility to keep him humble uh, but positive. There was a lot of playful teasing through our uh, growing up, even into our adulthood. And the only year that we, Ryan and I, shared together in school, I was a senior in high school. He was a freshman. He was an amazing musician at that age. All of my friends of my age were also his friends, and we just humbled the heck out of him, which I think just helped keep his, <laughs> uh, his feet on the ground through the years. And we recognized and, and rewarded his, uh, his playing, but it was great to see him step up and perform with people older than him, uh, whether it was, you know, there in the high school age or uh, doing solos at faith chapel orchestras at way too young of an age. Um, but or it, even Israel when yeah. he went to Israel, 1981. Yep. Uh, How old was Ryan then? Uh, he would be 12. Oh my. So Roy, you went over with a choir, um, with a full orchestra and Ryan to play in Israel. And if I remember correctly, Ryan played the Holy City with the, yes. with the choir. Yes, in Israel. That must have been a sight to see this little guy and then to hear this little guy with the quality of tone in his trumpet. It must have been middle school. He had a recital. Carol was on the piano. Yes. Carol. Um, and, and Yes. And Ryan is playing and if i close my eyes i i pictured one of the world's greatest tone in a in trumpet playing before me and it was really at that time i realized he's not going somewhere he is somewhere um, <laughs> and, and, you know from then on it was it was no shock there was a time when he was in uh, middle school and he went to the uh, solo festival and he was playing uh, the Carnival of Venice with all the variations, which usually is for somebody much older. And I remember I was, of course, I was sitting there as I was with, with Arby at all his festivals too. Um, and uh, when the, the adjudicator, the judge, when Ryan started playing, he just put the pencil down and sat back and listened. And when he got finished, he just said, I haven't heard anything 
kid like this ever play something like this. You know? Oh, my. Yeah, I'm going to add to this that um, I think there was a little natural talent that both uh, Ryan and I were gifted with, but he chose to work with it. He this wasn't something he just yeah i was gonna say about um he knew that his ambition meant nothing without execution he put yeah. in the work plus he had that natural talent and he was just a natural entertainer and he knew just to let life be fun which i really feel like our family and friends like you and we just recently heard a podcast with david cole and his family and mm-hmm. so many others from that era helped define what life can be for him. And he was just able to take it to the next level. Yeah. Uh, But he, he, unlike a lot of, I'll say protégés who are just stuck with their music, Ryan, Ryan enjoyed life. Absolutely. And he played T-ball. He played soccer. Uh, He had fun with Arby. Yes. I even had a call one time from the high school band director. Oh boy. Uh, (laughs) Is there a way you can control Arby and Ryan? <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, Arby could get anybody laughing and joking. Yeah. And Ryan was the... the uh, Easy target. Yeah. <laughs> and so if, I'll never forget when the band director called me and says, you know, I have a situation here maybe you can help me with. But, oh, uh, my. He enjoyed, Ryan enjoyed life. And he loved his kids he loved family. Family Absolutely. meant a lot to him. Family was a big family and faith is what really, yeah. you know, carried him through with stuff. Uh, um, yeah, I'm not surprised that both of his kids have continued on. Wow, the arts. Um, it was it, again, it's natural because you, you're surrounded by it. But they also, I sure rec- see what the kind of joy can be brought uh, that that he was able to bring to so many, whether people on stage or off. Yeah. yeah, you're right. The uh, And I have to apologize to anyone from that era who felt like we were wasting their time. or <laughs> No, they all enjoyed it, too. <laughs> but uh, I think there was teasing him. Teasing can have a negative connotation, but we did it in a way where truly there was a – we never did anything to – to harm people or, 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 or possessions. It was just good natured fun. And I know that he carried that on into his years with uh, Canadian brass, with his, the people that he's known and, and, and in, in his Dallas symphony time, he was expecting a telegram once from a, uh, uh, and I can't remember the name of the competition that, uh, Oh, you took <laughs> And I happened to be home before <laughs> anybody did and got the mail saw that the telegram came that was going to announce that he had been elected or selected for something quite significant. It was a uh, uh, presidential uh, honor. It, it was in Florida with the Herb Alpert. I saw the telegram and I hit it for three days just to keep him oh, humble. My. And of course, by the time the revelation came, it had been built up to a, a great little fervor. And the answer was still the same. He won and he's going. I just wanted to. Oh, my. Still human. And he took that and oh. that as well. But uh, So you, you played your part to keep him humble, huh? <laughs> but he taught oh. us a whole bunch of stuff. I, I mean, that natural talent was amazing. Um, I put him in a brass quintet when I was a senior in high school and he's a freshman. And he, uh, we were able to 
just perform anywhere and everywhere around town. And in 1987, had an opportunity. And I'm going to give Dad a lot of credit for connecting us. We had a chance to perform this little high school brass mm-hmm. quintet out of San Diego to perform alongside with Canadian Brass. Uh, still is one of the most renowned professional groups out there. Right. And uh, we did this up at Poway High School in front of thousands of people. And it was almost like Ryan's true coming out party. Yes, it was. Um, it was so many people had heard about him. Yeah. He was making some uh, waves out there, but the Canadian brass saw him. And um, we can even, I, I think you might even be able to have a clip. We can play a little bit of this, but what put him aside was we memorized everything that the Canadian brass did, but he didn't just play it. He performed it and mm. he's learned early on how to circular breathe. Tell us what that is. Yeah. It's a unique quality as a brass player. It is where when you can breathe in through your nose, simultaneously playing out or blowing out through your mouth. So he can play a note continuous without having to interrupt it. Cause he can just breathe in, while playing out and just hold this note as long as he is physically capable. Let me give an example. Brassania, that was Arby's group, was playing at the Del Mar Fair. They had this one piece, and then Ryan would start holding this note, and he'd do the circular breathing while Arby and the rest of the group got off the stage, went down, (laughs) and got cinnamon rolls from Cinnabon, and came back. He was still playing that same note. And they'd sit down and they'd eat their their cinnamon oh. roll while he's still holding that same well, note. While trying to make him oh. laugh, of course. But yeah. You, you've got a clip of Ryan doing this circular breathing with the Canadian brass. And honestly, they were just their jaws at the floor like everyone else. Like, who is this kid? Well, well why don't we go to that now and let's listen to Ryan. How old is he? Born in 69 and this was in 1987. You do the math. Okay. So he was young. Let's go ahead and hear it. We're going to give you the sampling of him playing the note. insert something here, Mary? Yes, yes. Ryan first started playing with Canadian Brass 
I went to hear him up in uh, uh, Santa Barbara, and I got a chance to talk with Chuck Dallenbach, who's the head of Canadian Brass. And he was saying to me that they were shocked at this performance at Poway that RB was just talking about, and you saw the clip, because they were expecting a normal high school mm -hmm. brass ensemble that they would be working with. They did not expect Arby to come out there with his group and do a performance of their pieces as well as they can do it. <laughs> and wow. when uh, there was an opening with the uh, Canadian brass, they all sat down and said, remember that kid that played in Poway? Uh, let's see if he could come. So Actually, what they did was contacted Ryan and said, we need you for a rehearsal because uh, one of our trumpet players can't be at the rehearsal. Could you come oh. in and just fill in? So Ryan, I remember him calling and telling me he was all excited. I get to do a rehearsal with Canadian Brass. And after the rehearsal, they said, this is your job if you want it. Well, you said it. He had talent, but he worked it. He, he actually was committed and determined to start where he was and to move it into new territory. I, I think time flows to weakness, which means we wing our gifts and we spend way too much time on things that we're not good at. And we wing the things we are good at. It should be the reverse. And I think Ryan did that. Every band director of his credit to some of that, as well as my dad, who's probably conducted him as many as much as anybody. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of what band directors or musicians need to do is to practice to make yeah. perfect. Yeah. And then once you're perfect, you practice more. Um, music was absolutely his his plane, his jet through through life. But he was a, incredibly humble throughout, as you we mentioned earlier. And I, I got to give a lot of props to how much he felt that time was incredibly valuable before and after getting cancer. He recognized the value of a family, yeah. uh, of downtime, of, um, of quality time. Of um, I think that's part of he just had this relentlessness to him of being the best at his craft, but also sharing time with with others, whether that's yeah. giving back to his church or time with the family and. I think he felt that time was his most valuable asset after the um, cancer wow. diagnosis and absolutely battled and made the most of it. It's incredible. He, um, he was willing to let others have the spotlight also. Uh, I remember when he was in my band at, uh, at Mount McGill, uh, his senior year, we were doing a field show and one of the judges said, you need to feature your son, the trumpet player and build your show around him. And I mentioned that to Ryan. He said, no, I'm just mm. another member of the band. And he would he would let others play some of the solos. And it went on even when he was with the Dallas Symphony. Uh, there were pieces that he would share the solo parts and the first trumpet parts with other members of the section. It wasn't oh, like, my. I'm first trumpet. I get all this. It was, we're all in this together. And there are students that were in high school with him that I got as friends on Facebook and they would talk, they talk about that a lot about the fact that, you know, Ryan was just one of us. He mm. wasn't thing. We knew he was special, but he yeah. did not carry that 
around with him. You know that trump- trumpet wasn't his first instrument, you know. Is that right? What was? <laughs> both of well, Arby's... It wasn't French horn, I'll tell you that. Both Arby <laughs> and Ryan were started off playing violin. That was mom's choice. That was, that was her mother wanted oh, to have a string quartet in the family. Nope. And neither one of the boys... In Arby's case, I had a, a horn at the house for him to play... Ryan came to me one night at the house crying, saying, I don't want to play violin anymore. I don't want to hurt your feelings because violin was my instrument, but I don't want to play violin. I said, so what do you want to play? He says, I want to play the trumpet like grandpa. My dad played trumpet and Ryan would sit and watch him play because every day when my dad would come home, he'd get the trumpet out and be playing and Ryan wanted to play trumpet like Grandpa. Is that all, right? Yeah, we always say you don't choose the instrument. The instrument chooses you. Yeah. And I know that yeah. he drawn because of what he was able to see with family. Plus, I don't think violins made enough sound. We were boys. We <laughs> wanted noise. <laughs> okay. Something. I'll grant you that. Yeah, I mean, there's something to that. Oh, my. You, you need a certain amount of ego to... to to be a, a grass player, a brass player, much less a first. Trumpet. Yeah, you can't hide when you play a brass instrument. He's not going to make it on stage without a certain amount of ego. But he also had enough to know that, just like Dad was saying, that he's he wanted to share that stage not only with other performers, but he wanted yeah that stage with the audience. That really was a a, a key difference in in what he was yeah. able to provide. Well, even in the midst of him fighting for his life, he was still thinking of others. Uh, tell us about the foundation and then the cancer blows. Do you mind if I jump in? No, you, you take it. Yeah, uh, he and his wife, uh, he's got a wonderful wife. Her name is Nikki, and she is continuing on with this uh, Ryan Anthony Foundation. There's a um, something special for him is that uh, – they're able to do concerts to help support and raise money for cancer awareness. And they're calling these concerts cancer blows. And because of Ryan's status Mm. in the musical industry, they are able to bring out some amazing, huge names and huge concerts. And they're going to continue doing so even after. Oh, good. Um, Ryan did pass uh, to come to cancer June of 2020. Uh, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, a lot of things have been put on hold. But um, I'm grateful to see that Nikki and the Ryan Anthony Foundation is starting back up. And they're literally just recently announced a few new concerts coming up in the next 18 months called Blows Across the Country. And you can see these on cancerblows.com. There's a Ryan Anthony still has uh, there's a Ryan Anthony website. It's easy to Google and easy to find, but his name and his legacy will absolutely continue on. Why don't you give us a quick list of some of the people involved in that that were showcased? Yeah, some of the bigger names. I think most people listening to this will probably have heard of Doc Severinsen, who was Johnny Carson Tonight Show band uh, trumpet player and band leader for a number of years. Doc and Ryan became very close friends. Um, Arturo Sandoval uh, has been involved. Um, uh, Lee Lofney. Lee Lofney from the band Chicago uh, has oh. come out and headlined as well. Um, Jens Lindemann and uh, so many other 
uh, trumpet players, whether they are soloists or principal uh, artists mm-hmm. and performers from across the country, across the nation, have uh, have been involved and will continue to be involved. And it's not just trumpet players. There's some amazing orchestrations and musicians and jazz players involved in, in all of yeah. this. It's, it's trumpet heavy because that's what he was. Yeah. Um, but when he uh, first thought of this uh, came, or came up with this idea, the amount of people that wanted to be involved was was overwhelming, and uh, it's just a testament again to him and his legacy. Wow! The, uh, it, it actually got started by Doc Severinsen. Doc Severinsen called Ryan when he first heard that Ryan had cancer, and said, "Is there anything I can do for you?" And Ryan says, "Promise me that we can share the stage together as soon as I'm able." And uh, that was the beginning. And uh, Doc says, "Sure, let's do it." And then other, uh, like Ryan Arby mentioned, all these other players just, well, they heard about it and they called and said, we want to be part of this too. And mm. Not to take any undue credit as the older brother, but Ryan would have never heard of Doc Severinsen if I hadn't been watching Johnny Carson. So that's- There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, but neither one of them would have been able to watch it if I didn't let them stay up <laughs> late yeah, at night. That's, that's, right. Right. that's right. One of the interesting things is you're saying that it's still going on. So if my listeners look up Cancer Blows, They'll see some of the past performances. Uh, hopefully, future events will be close to them and they can support it as well. Yes, agreed. And if they yeah, can't get yeah. to it personally, they can probably stream it as well. But yes, yeah, cancerblows.com. One of the things I wanted to ask you guys is there's some talk. I know there's a trailer out of a documentary on Ryan's life called Song of Hope. Tell us a little bit about that and then also what is so special about this song as well. I, I, there was a couple folks, uh, documentarians out who Ryan caught their attention and they were fortunate enough to capture the last uh, couple years of his life on film knowing that they wanted to make a documentary on him. No one knew, of course, how long Ryan was going to continue living, how much he was going to continue performing. I got to give Ryan, and probably need to mention in this podcast, he performed literally until his dying day. And Mm. that trumpet was, I believe that he was, he had a trumpet in the hospital. Yes. uh, On his, his last uh, of living just because that's yeah, it was part of his identity, but that's that's also just I don't mm-hmm. think a trumpet was ever going to be too far from him, regardless. So the documentary "Song of Hope" it's a takeoff of a title of a piece of music, "Song for Hope," that was written for Ryan several years ago. Um, an incredibly emotional piece of music that features trumpet that just represents uh, Ryan's journey and anyone's journey through hard times, much less cancer. So Song of Hope, um, Ryan's tagline in his last couple of years was music equals hope. Mm. And he used time and time again to just remind folks of, of whether you're having your best day or your worst day in, in life, there's always something out there to be hopeful for, to look forward to, to be prepared for. And, and music was a key element in his life. So music equals hope. And that hope word has continued on through pieces of music and this documentary. And dad, you can fill in anything I may be missing. Well, it's uh, right now the, uh, 
documentaries being shown at various film festivals. And so far, it's taken top film Awards. documentary award. And uh, a close friend of Ryan, they played together for years, Anthony De Lorenzo, wrote the music for it. For the soundtrack. The yes. soundtrack. Mm. And he's got the award for best soundtrack. Wow. And we're in hopes that, uh, you know, s somebody will pick this up yeah. and Netflix or something. One of the purposes in talking to the director is that they also want it to be shown like at Baylor Hospital but for cancer patients to, to encourage them. In fact, one of the yeah. producers, his mother had cancer and she watched this documentary of course, she has access to it since her uh, yes. son was producer eight times. And he said it just kept giving her uh, encouragement to keep pushing forward, mm. not to give up. And so they don't want it to be just um, a documentary saying this is the life of Ryan or, you know, his music, but rather to also be of encouragement to people to to not give up keep pushing on you know that was ryan's life i mean he yeah he never gave up he just was like i said earlier he he was planning on the night before he died future concerts he always wanted to keep moving forward and we're in hopes that this a documentary will do the same thing it was yeah. actually one of his wishes is that they would be able to put something like this out so that his story in testament testimony can continue but uh, Ryan did say m numerous times including uh, the last weekend of his life that that even though he was stricken with a tragic disease he felt he saw a gift and his higher purpose was to let God work through him to bless us all through music and hope he kept going back to that hope so wow. uh, yeah this is a very powerful very emotional well written and well done uh, documentary that is a uh, gaining steam and yes we're hoping that it can become available for all in some format sometime soon that 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 hope goes back to the faith that he had you know I, yep. his whole thing was what kept him going was family and faith you know that that was the two two things that yep. really uh, were uh, most important to him all the way to the end was family and faith and you know we're here in san diego which is where he lived for only a portion of his life. He, once he went off to college, he never lived in San Diego again. Dallas became his really big home for a number of years. That's still where his awesome wife, Nikki, and his two kids, Jackson and Rowan, are. Uh, and yes, family was incredibly important. Uh, we had the incredible fortune, I don't think you know the story, of um, Ryan called us uh, two days before he passed away. He knew something yeah. Was different. And I had never heard that tone of his or those words of his when he called me and just said, RB, I'm scared. Can you guys get out here? And mm. you have to recognize this is the start of a huge pandemic. Getting parents and family to fly out as quickly as possible and allow the hospital to let us in. But we got, uh, we got a weekend. We got two nights with him before he passed. And it was some of the most hopeful and joyful time family could ever have and a lot of folks felt that he was becoming a little immortal he had battled for eight years and continued yeah. to teach and perform and be a father and a husband 
and sitting there by his bedside wondering, will tomorrow be a new day? Will tomorrow be the last day? We didn't know, but we were able to gather together as family and just be joyful what he was and what he will continue to be. Yeah, it was, tell you, it was Father's Day. I was sitting yeah. at the, at the, in my lounge chair at the house day. and Arby comes walking in the door and says, Dad, pack your bags. We need to go to Dallas. Ryan has called and wants us back there. That was on Father's Day. Father's Day 2020. 2020, yeah. And so quickly packed and, and made uh, it out. Got, got it, 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 the entire family got to be there, and uh, on uh, that was on Sunday, Father's Day, and then we uh, were back there on uh, went back to see him on Monday, and I know God was all working all through this. Uh, we got to the hospital, and they said because of COVID, you can't go up there, and so Arby goes out and calls the doctor and said, we're here to see Ryan, but they won't let us in. The doctor says, go to the back of the hospital. Yep. I'll meet you by a door. <laughs> yep. We went back there. He took us up to service elevator. Yes, he did. And <laughs> took us no. into the room and let us be in there. And then there was a lot of confusion at one point, And I remember asking one of the nurses, would it be better for you if we're out of here? And she said, no. Both Ryan and you guys need to be together. Yeah. Stay in here. And that was, I know that that was God because, like I said, yeah. the pandemic, they were not letting visitors into the hospital. No. But doctor knew. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was, it was. Well, it was, but God and, and Ryan kind of was a little bit of a mini celebrity even in the hospital. But no, this is so true. What dad's saying is. There was people who gave up their seats on an airplane so that oh, yeah. so that family can go. We we showed up at the ticket counter saying, "Can we get on this last flight to Dallas?" No, no, sorry, it's full. Someone overhearing our story, giving up their seat so that oh. my mother could could make it out. Phone oh, calls in advance. They were coming. How do we get there? Who picks us up? How do we get to the hospital? How do we get in the hospital? How do we stay in the hospital? God intervened and gave the family uh, some some time. I, I've got a quick story, if I may, that yeah. I don't, Dad, you know, much less Barry, but um, the morning that Ryan passed was 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 huge for all, and the, the, the word had to s- spread quickly, and I wanted my parents to know in person. I didn't want to just call them, and there's a lot of back and forth. Hours after he had passed, uh, I was asked to go back to the hospital room and gather some personal effects that were left behind. And of course I jumped on that opportunity to help out Ryan's wife and family to do so. Mm-hmm. When I got to the hospital again, this is hours after he passed and after we had started sharing the news, no one told me that his body would still be in the room when they let me in to get the personal effects. I had no oh. first I've heard of this. So I'm stunned as I walk in to the room that we dad had been in the last couple nights mm. and being that it's hours after the fact, all the machines had been wheeled out. Um, all of his tubes had been taken off. All the bandages had been oh removed. Gosh. He mm. was lying there as peaceful as I had ever seen. And a nurse poked her head in and I said, am I allowed in here? And she said, take your time. 
Really? Oh so I got 20 minutes of brother time, and we talked about all the 51 years of, of highlights that had happened and the 50 years of highlights that were going to happen. Um, and I tell you, because of all those years that I teased him, there was a little bit of me that was waiting for him just to poke one eye open and go, surprise! <laughs> oh, my. Did not happen. Oh. I have to tell you that uh, my I was the last one to see him, and he couldn't have been more at peace. And that we were able to be with him the last uh, couple of days was, there's nothing, wow. nothing that God can give us than, 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 than time. What a gift. Well, I, ironically, that same month, same year, I was in the hospital for a, for a month after my stroke at the same time. And it was so locked down, a group of people that were unable to come in and see me, they, they ended up in the parking lot of the hospital. They couldn't get in. My own family couldn't get in. I didn't see my sons until a few days before I was released. So that was a gift, just you getting in, let alone uh, what you were able to experience there at the end. When Ryan was playing, uh, especially towards the end, he was going from treatment to the stage. Isn't that right? Yeah, it'd be the same day. He'd be... He'd be uh, getting a eight-hour infusion or a chemo treatment at the hospital, and then get in the car, drive to the uh, um, Meyerson where the uh, Dallas Symphony performs, and go on stage. Then it, mm. during a break, he'd go backstage, uh, sometimes losing uh, all of his food. <laughs> you know? oh. But he, they had a cot back there, and they, he'd lay down on the on the cot to get strength to go back out on for the second half of the show. Oh, my word. Yeah, and, and this thing with teaching, he'd go right from the hospital to SMU and teach a class. And I I mean, I, I've got one of his students in my band here in San Diego, now my community band. He says, we, we didn't know that he just came from the hospital. He, you know, he, he pushed himself and uh, he... Had the strength to do it, but yeah, it was, that's uh, what he loved, and that's kept yeah. that kept going. That, that strength and courage was just relentless. I'm just so honored that you're sharing Ryan's story, Barry. You're you're a strong part of who he was yeah, as well. Yeah, aren't I was going to say, uh, aren't you, weren't you his uh, high school or, or junior high? Yeah, I arrived in '79, and I think you were eighth grade ish. So I had you in junior high and high school, and Ryan was right behind. You know, I was thinking about what we're hearing today, and I think God trusted your family with him. I'm pretty impressed with your family over the years. I'm not surprised of the impact that each one of you have had and are having. It's because of the incredible family that you guys are part of. And I, I just want to thank you for your gift, giving back to people. And it was expressed in many ways through, through Ryan, you know, the same thing. You know, uh, Barry, I've, I've said a number of times here that faith and family was what really carried him through. 
And you're part of that faith part mm. from uh, our years at Faith Chapel. You 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 grounded him in mm. in, in his belief and in, in having the faith. And then Arby is a, a bigger part of his musical family than than I think people realize that uh, Ryan looked up to Arby. And that's the part of the family, you know. It's uh, it's a lot of people that contributed to Ryan's life. Those were great times. Yeah, for sure. I have a question in my mind, and I have to ask: What happened to the red VW? <laughs> I finally sold it. <laughs> that was what a sixty-two or sixty-four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an old red VW Bug. Yep. Oh my! Drive it for a while in high school. It didn't have any any air conditioning or heating to no, it. No, no, it's a VW. <laughs> yeah. Conditioning was to roll down the yeah, windows. Roll down the windows, and if you're you're cold, you roll them back up. Exactly. <laughs> I remember that one, but also I remember the Carby. That's right. Oh, yeah. Yep. With Arby. Yeah, personal Arby. plates that said Carby since Arby drove it. Absolutely. What you may not know is your parents dropped the car off to put it in my garage. Oh, I know. Yeah, okay. Waiting for the moment to present you with the car. Nice. Nice. Yep, that's right. High school graduation, 18th birthday gift type of thing. Yeah, that's great. I yeah, think that makes sense. I think we also included it with Christmas. Yeah, you know, yeah and, and Valentine's and Groundhog's <laughs> Day, whatever. Right, right. In fact, you just paid it off, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember the, Ryan jumping into the back seat saying this is where he was going to sit, and he made sure that there was plenty of room for all his trumpet cases in the trunk. So. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I know that there has been a great loss what would you like to say for those that are going through the loss of a loved one? What would you say based on what you guys are going through? Well, it, uh, it never gets easier, but you learn to make the adjustments. You know, I mean, I still find myself even this week uh, going to the phone to call Ryan. You know, we talk oh. about baseball. We talk about uh, musicians, uh, uh, directors that are leaving orchestras, you know, and I, I still find myself going to the phone and mm. it took a long time. Ryan used to call me every day on his way back from the hospital, whether he's going home or going to the symphony. I and see. it was usually around four o'clock. And for the longest time I would find myself looking at my watch, Ryan should be calling, you know, uh. holidays are difficult because him in Dallas and me in San Diego, uh, he wouldn't be with me on Father's Day and, you know, those kind of holidays, but he always called. Right. And so the holidays are a little bit difficult still. I mean, I just, part of it's missing, you know, and I had to live for years. But you learn, I've learned just to um, how to adjust myself, I guess, is the best mm -hmm. way to say it. Uh, it doesn't, I don't miss him less. I miss him every day. But yeah. the, uh, I think that I know that what Ryan would want is for us to just keep pushing forward like he did yeah. and not back in what well, was me. And so that's a, that's a, I like that last line. I, I, I'm not diminishing mourning the loss 
uh, but I reveling in cherishing the memories. Yeah. Yeah. And we yeah. we want to honor key. his memory. Um, whether it's a Facebook post of a funny photo from when we were yeah. kids or continuing on with his foundation and cancer blows, but dad's right. There's a, uh, anyone who's ever had a personal loss like this, there will always be a hole in the heart and a, and a space left, but uh, there is hope for every person um, that next hour, that next day, that next time to see family, that whatever, if it's family or friends or food or whatever the case may be, that, that hope word was huge on Ryan's behalf. But I, I just cherish his memories. Yeah, I, and Arby helps with that in that he is constantly posting pictures on Facebook uh, and that of of events, of family events, and, you know, the family getting together at, at the holidays and uh, just different things that that come up and it brings back a lot of uh, a mm-hmm. lot of good memories and it, it yeah. keeps him alive that plus um, I, I'm able to listen to his music now I will be honest for a while I, I had a hard time sure. listening sure. to some of his music because I, I just missed it so much but now I, I like to listen to it and it's almost like he's there with me what are some of the samples or music pieces that you would suggest they go to YouTube and watch and listen? What are some key moments or key songs? Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. You know, he started off as a, an amazing soloist, so there's several things out there that you can find and hear. And through his years with Canadian Brass, I think his key song feature was Penny Lane. Yeah. He was a, besides a trumpet player, he was actually one of the world's best piccolo trumpet players. And um, that's the high sounding, right? Trumpet? Smaller instrument. It's actually an octave, plays an octave above. Um, And through his years, his latter years, he became a symphony player, the Dallas Symphony. That's where, that was his home. Um, And you can hear a ton of recordings with the Dallas Symphony. But as a soloist, there's, Several things out there uh, with band, um, with smaller groups, with ensembles, just as himself. Cancer blows. Cancer blows. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's there's a few things out there that just – he became world-renowned um, knowing uh, for, for, for not, a, not just his exuberant spirit on stage, but what he was able to do with any instrument he picked up, specifically that piccolo trumpet. He was um, he was a great lyrical player. He tried to make the trumpet sound like a, a voice. Two songs that I just love listening to him play. One is Gabriel's Oboe. Oh yeah, and the other sure. one is Someone to Watch Over Over Me. Okay, good poem. Those two pieces, they're both on the Cancer Blows recordings, and you can find it on on uh, YouTube. But someone to watch over me and Gabriel's oboe. Gabriel's oboe was almost uh, his theme. And then this, the the most the, the latest one was Song of Hope, that was written for. It was originally a part of going to be a three part piece, and Ryan just said no. I just want this one movement, and uh, I remember Ryan telling me he would lay on the couch, and just replay that one song, oh. Song of Hope, and it really was encouraging. As individual songs, those are the ones for me that just 
I love to listen to. Anything that he performed was was, <laughs> was worth right, right. Well, Roy and RB, it is first so good to see you and spending this time with you has been great. I just want to say thanks for sharing Ryan's story today, who he was uh, before everyone knew him and who he is even after. Uh, Ryan Anthony Foundation, Cancer Blows. I think it would be fitting to end this episode with Ryan prepping us on Song of Hope and then to hear him play it. And that's how we're going to uh, we're going to end this episode. So you two, I hope we can talk again real soon. I thank you for your life and I uh, thank you for your willingness to share Ryan's life with us today. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Barry, for the opportunity. Our trio of soloists, our co-principal trumpet, Tim Anderson, Jens Linderman, and the one and only Ryan Anthony. Would you please welcome them? start with a standing ovation we don't need to play so thank you very much um, this this piece song of hope i first heard it uh, pete meekin sent it to me about six years ago and it was one of those pieces of music that you hear and i hope all of you have experienced this at least once in your life where it just stops you in your tracks and uh, i listened to this and i just listened to it over and over and i called him and i said you've got to arrange this in a way to be a um, a tune by itself originally it was a middle movement of a larger uh, piece of work and I said I'd love to do it at our first Cancer Blows concert a big concert in Dallas in 2015 can you make it for a trio and he did and I think I'm probably not uh, uh, overstating that I think this is performed almost every week somewhere now in the world in some fashion as a solo duet trio band orchestra brass ensemble piano you name it um, it's available for anybody to be able to play and um, I've always enjoy and love playing with it um, with this piece and seeing how it reacts with, with the audience but it was about two months ago uh, as I came out of um, I was in ICU and was on life support for a few days and when I came out of that for the first time I got to hear this piece again for the first time and um, I can't tell you what it did and reminded me of the power of music it's the best vehicle we have to be able to give hope and strength so you don't have to have cancer to be able to enjoy this beautiful piece of music. Um, if anybody here's had any obstacles in life that you need to go through, if you haven't, congratulations, you will. Um, you, you must be a student, you haven't gotten there yet. Um, but for those of us who have reached those obstacles in life, um, sometimes you just need that extra little push. And for me, it's been this piece of music. And uh, it's always an honor to play with this incredible band, the Dallas Winds, to join my friend here, Jerry Junkin, and of course, my brother-in-arms, Jens Lindemann and, and Tim Anderson. So I hope that uh, this piece touches you the same way that it has touched my life many, many times over the last few years. And um, 
really, that's all I have to say. We'll let the music say the rest. So thank you so much for coming this evening, um, supporting the music here in Texas. I'm so glad to say that I'm a Texan now and have been now for over 10 years longer than any other place. So um, it's nice to be home and to play this music. Thank you. Thank you.